kind of neat helped out uh, Chris this evening. There's quite a few of us helped her, helped her out, and uh, moved her into a storage unit. And the address of that storage unit was 1611 Grace Avenue. <laughs> that was like, I don't believe in signs, God. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, but it was it was pretty neat. I mean, I got a kick out of that. So, I mean, some storage unit got it, some church didn't. You know, so anyhow, pretty funny. It's the book of Jonah, chapter number four. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for still, Lord, saving souls, Lord. I thank you for just saving my soul. I thank you for saving everybody's soul here, Lord. And just, uh, Lord, thank you for the brethren that have showed up here, Lord, faithfully. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that we just, uh, take a new look at this, Lord, and just, uh, Lord, just be a better witness to people out there, Lord, and just be a better testimony. And take the word out there, Lord, and proclaim it, Lord, that you're still in the business of saving souls. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jonah chapter 4. And, uh, you know, last week I kind of sum- summarized up, I mean, I guess I could put it that way, chapter number 3. And I know I said it was a deep topic, and it really wasn't. It was just a simple thought that, you know, if you listen to God and you obey Him, you know, a miracle might just happen. It's pretty simple. And to overcomplicate it as much as that is, there's not really much complicated than that. If you believe the Lord, you pray, and the Lord's going to do something, something's going to happen. It really does. You, there's no way you cannot read your Bible and not see God not do that. Period. Trust in the Lord like pastor. That's one of my favorite verses. I think it was probably the first memory verse I committed to my heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Amen. And we even had to... I mean, it's good. You try to work with the Lord, and the Lord doesn't... As you'll find out, I don't want to too far ahead of it, but Lord don't think like we think. And we try to rationalize and work these things through a little bit, and oh, that's what the Lord's going to do. Well, you better read your Bible a little bit more, because <laughs> chances are He's not going to do that. Maybe. Depending on whatever... Lean not to mine own understanding, and all my ways acknowledge Him. And I mean, so this, the biggest revival here happens in the in the history of the of your Old Testament. All these people get right; their animals are covered with sackcloth, and the whole town in Nineveh gets right. And then it starts off here in Jonah chapter number four. It says, "But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry." And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went up out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of him, become of the city, excuse me. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm and when the morning arose the next day and it smote the gourd and that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted and wished himself to die and said, Is it better for me to die than to live? 
And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, the Bible's, I mean, it's not you in that situation, but I mean, the Bible's pretty funny when you're looking at it that way, you know. But, uh, amen. God's, God's got a sense, God is gracious, and He's got a sense of humor. And God loves people. And He's going to love you even though you want to die. Amen. We'll get into that in a little bit. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. You know, I see this verse in chapter number 4 and verse 1. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. You know, I just, I can't imagine that. As a, I mean, as a preacher, you go into it, and, and he, he preaches the greatest revival, and now he's angry that these people are going to get right. It, I mean, he is. That's He is. He's upset. After everything he went through, you know, why these people are like that? You know, some people are just like that, though. They're not happy for you. And I started thinking on this and just meditating on it, and, you, and you've seen it, too. Maybe you see somebody financially get blessed. And you know what? They're not going to be happy for you. Oh, man, I got a promotion at work today. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, you've seen it. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, I led somebody to the Lord today. Now, did they really get saved? You know, that's how people like that. They're just, and I don't want to call them Jonah's because I don't want to just trash on Jonah. But people, that's a, it's a hard attitude is what it is. It's just a bad spirit. And it's just uncaring. What about spiritually? You read that all over in the Bible. People that just, oh, this guy over here, uh, Nehemiah, he's going to do something for the Lord. Oh, but you get some sand ballots and Tobias and some, and some Arabians and they're not, they're not for it. We're not going to let you do something for the Lord. I don't care about your burdens you got for God. Maybe somebody just wants to read the scriptures just a little bit more and they got this thirst and this hungering for the Lord. And they're just, they come to church diligently and faithfully and they're always asking questions and this and that and just trying to just get something. Just get a little nugget. And God rewards them because He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek them. But these people aren't. And they're going to put that person down. Oh, you know what? God's blessing him. No, he's not, you know. It's been there. I've seen it. You've seen it. And you gotta be careful. I mean, I don't, God forbid us to do that. You know, I'm happy for people. I led somebody to the Lord. Mike led that little Jonah to the Lord that day. Man, I thrilled my soul. Man, a kid's saved, going to heaven. Somebody gets saved. Cole getting saved way back when. Thrilled my soul. People getting saved. People getting right. People repenting. People seeing the Lord work in their lives. Why would I want to be upset about that? 
Why would I not want to rejoice with my brethren? Am I making sense? I mean, someone has more joy than you. Did you get upset? I remember one time I was working with this guy. I won't won't say his name. And he was going through some horrible stuff in his life. And uh, his son was addicted to heroin. And I left a little bit of mud on his flat joint. We were doing this huge slate patio around this whole pool. And it was just me and him. And I left a little bit of mud on his tools, on one tool. And he flipped out. Flipped out. He left a little bit of mud. I walked over and said, it's okay, Tony. It's okay, just wiped it off. You just can't be so happy about everything, Mike. <laughs> I'm like, it's just a little bit of mud on his tool. And he, and he finally just broke down. Man, I'm just so stressed out about my son. He's crying, he's weeping. and It wasn't long after that he actually got saved. But it's just, I remember that. Too. You just can't be happy about that. I was like, well, it's really not that big of a deal here. I'll clean it off on my pants. And there it is. It's real clean again, Tony. You know. Oh, sorry, Bob. <laughs> slip that. That wasn't his really name. I apologize. But yeah, <laughs> he's a good friend. Jonah here says, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, "I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying?" When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. You know what? Jonah's got all the facts here. That's a quite the list of God's characteristics and how God is. We could, we could preach for a long time on just that verse right there and how good God is. I mean, there's, there's your outline. That's a long outline. That'll fill an hour real quick. And then some. Well, at least Jonah prays here. He's just got the wrong card. And I remember just thinking, I said, how is that? Could, could I ever get to a point like that? Could I ever get to a point like that to where I would just be so dissatisfied with the people that I'm preaching against that I would just say, you know what? And they got right, but I still, I just can't stand those people. And I said, you know what, I don't think I can. And the Lord goes, oh yeah, you could. <laughs> I says, really? He goes, yeah. And then he gave me some people. And I thought about it and I said, well, you're right, Lord. He said, let's just say for a second, Mike, I sent you to go preach to Joe Biden. Kamala Harris. Adam Schiff. Chuck Schumer. Lori Lightfoot, Jay Inslee, Kate Brown. We can stop there. <laughs> and he says, you know what? I want you to go preach this message even though they destroyed us. They did all this wickedness and they did all this and they're going to have all these Antifa people there. And I want you, Mike, I want you to go preach to them. How good, how gracious, how slow to anger I am and repentest thee of the evil I do. So I do it. And then they get right. (laughs) And then I'm like, man, I got to stop. There's a couple in there. 
There's a couple. We ain't far above it. Don't let him take it. Think he stand, take it heed lest he fall. I'm telling you, I was just like, well, yeah, I guess I could. Because there's some of those people, I know I told the teens down there, there's some of them, they don't even know who they are, but we all know. <laughs> and they're just as worthy of the grace of God as we are. Yeah. Far be it from us to think that they're not. For I knew. For I knew that Thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest Thee of the evil. I mean, is that just for me? Or is that for everyone? That's for everyone. Not willing that any should perish. I mean, but I tell you what, it'd be an interesting day when they first came into the church after they got saved. It would. It'd be tough. But that's one of the greatest outlines you'll see there of God. And He's that way to everybody. Everybody. Would that none should perish. You know what? There's a lot of preachers out there that have a vindictive and hateful approach in claiming the truth. It really is. You've heard it. They'll proclaim certain people should die. They preach hell with a smile on their face and a gleam in their eye. They believe they've merited God's grace while sinners of the world haven't. Think of that Pharisee who boasted himself. Man, I fast twice in a week, give all that I have. Look at me. But the sinner went so much to look up to heaven, but he went home justified. But the Pharisee will look down on him because he went home justified. I don't want to be like that. No matter how many Adam shifts there are out there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's, that's my crutch. I mean, uh, he's worthy just as much as I am. read this. There's a church. I'll tell you the name of the church afterwards. you have to come see me after this. I shared this with the teens this morning too. This is the pastor's reply to some of his reviews on his church. The reason that, oh yeah, wait. <laughs> oh yeah, wait. And I know this because the one person said, don't go to this church because the pastor is an absolute hater 
And he replied, and I won't read that one because I already just now said it. He says, how would you know? Have you ever met me? So I obviously would take that. That is the pastor replying. Here's one. This place claims to be a Christian, yet publicly denounces people instead of reaching out to them with love. Be warned if you are human and have committed sin as well as all we have, according to the Bible, they will gloat over you and will celebrate your misfortune. That's the review. Here's the reply from the pastor. That's a stupid review. We reach out to more people than any church in this area. There was a little laughter in the teen class, but amen, good. That's good. Here's another review. Same church. Going door to door and telling people that they're going to hell, raising their children wrong, and even arguing with other Bible-believing Christians. There was more to it, but I didn't screenshot that. And his response from the pastor, You're weak! I don't know if his name's Jonah or not, but... (laughs) This person left a one-star review. And the pastor replied, Go to hell, freak. Yeah. That's the grace of, that's not the grace of God. Um, this person left a one star review and he said, Ever been there, loser? I said, I'm not gonna. And there's more. But that's not compassion. That's not Christ-like. I remember when I was in Kansas, my pastor friend of mine, Joe, he, he got a review from a lady because, and he was told by, anyhow, his, the mother kept calling him and bugging him, but the son says, don't talk to my mom, she's blah, blah, blah. So because Joe didn't call her back, she leaves a nasty review on there. And, and Joe got a little upset. I said, let me show you something. I says, don't be this guy. And so we read through some of these and Joe goes, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was, that was kind of the thing. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. Spiritual pride. I'm more holier than thou. Right. That's, I'm not going to say that. I knew what I was when I got saved. I'll say that. I didn't get to grow up in a Christian home. I grew up over in Portland. I knew I was a sinner. And the Lord's, far be it for me to lift myself up above like that way and think ill of somebody else. I'm more morally superior than them. Because I haven't been saved as long. They haven't been saved as long as me. Maybe I know more Bible than them. (laughs) These people got eight words of Scripture. (laughs) And they had a greater revival than half the Christians in the United States. (laughs) Eight words. Man in his best state is altogether vanity, according to David. Psalms 39.5. I've memorized that one. It'll humble you. 
It'll keep you right where you're supposed to be. Even in your best state, Lord goes, you still got a lot of work to do, boy. Let's go, son. Come on. All right, let's go. He's a gracious God. He's merciful, slow to anger, with great kindness, and He repents the other evil. Verse number 3 says, Now, Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 3 says, Now, th- says, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. You know, Jonah isn't the first person to desire this. And I started thinking, what a thing about Jonah, but then I started thinking, you know what? There was others that did it. And these were great men of God. I mean, Elijah. Elijah. Moses. Turn over to 1 Kings 19. We'll hit it real quick. Just to show how how good God is. Hold your, hold your place there in Jonah. First Kings nineteen. A little backstory here is uh, the Mount Carmel's already happened. It's one of the greatest New Testament stories, in my opinion. You know, he kills, slays all the prophets. The rain comes, and Jezebel's all upset because all her prophets got cut with the sword, and they're all dead, laying in the brook. Right. And Ahab called, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as thy life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She says, you know what? I'm going to kill you about tomorrow about this time. Same way. And it's Elijah. He got, he got discouraged and all by himself. A little bit different reasons than Jonah, but still he's, what he's going to say is still the same thing. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. And said, Is it not enough now, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. This Elijah... He's wearied. I mean, it can happen. It happened to you. Get weary in serving. Weary in following. Tired of all the stuff going on. But God's caring. And as he slept underneath a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water in his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. That's the first time you hear of angel food cake in the Bible. He got a drink, eat, eat angel food cake. <laughs> you know? And he got to eat it twice. Amen. He got good. God's gracious. But it's like that he said, you know, I like what God asked him. God, I like these questions he asked. I tried to pay attention to the questions God asked. What are you doing here, Elijah? 
Turn over their numbers. This I means Elijah said that. Turn over numbers, chapter eleven. Try to make this quick. Moses says it. Moses wished that the Lord would just take his life. Moses. This is here. The people have been eating manna. And they're starting to complain about it. And in Numbers chapter 11 says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Amen. You can just memorize that verse. (laughs) And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them. So, I mean, he goes there, verse number 3. And he called the place that Tabor because the fire of the Lord burnt to get burnt among them. Verse number four, another verse, and the, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. I mean, it sounds complaining, right? And just whining about it. And in verse number 7 through 9, it goes into how they gathered it up and they was eating it. and They were just displeased and complaining. And Moses gets discouraged. And in verse 10, and then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Man, he's just getting whooped. And have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, and a nursing father them, Beareth them the sucking child unto land which thou swearest unto their fathers. Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou wilt deal with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand. Out of hand. And if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. I mean, Moses. Moses. I mean, that you could get to a point like that. But he says over there, and I like what God, I like, (laughs) I like reading the Lord's responses in all these. Because there's a funny verse after this. (laughs) God's funny. I know I've said that, but I'm going to, I don't have to prove it. The Bible's going to prove it. Says the Lord said unto Moses, get, I mean, he's, he gets a little serious and he's getting serious and all of a sudden he kind of just throws this one in there and, it, and it's pretty funny. Okay. So, and the Lord said unto Moses, gather me up 70 men out of the elders of Israel of whom thou knowest be the elders of the people and the officers over them and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there and I will talk of, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee. And I will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, and that thou bear it not thyself alone. And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it is well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh to eat. 
give you flesh and ye shall eat. And this is what the Lord says. I, I like how He says this. And ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils. <laughs> Man, that's funny. <laughs> I mean... He's like, look, I'm just tired of doing it. I don't know how the Lord's doing it, but he's like, look, it ain't going to be one day, it ain't going to be two days, it ain't going to be 20 days, you're going to have it for a whole month until it comes out your nostrils. You'd think that you'd be a big over-exaggeration, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. I mean, that's funny. And it'd be loathsome unto you, because that you have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? So there's what the Lord's upset about. I look like the pastor saying, remember, you have to remember these things. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. I mean, if something starts getting a little bit tough in your life, didn't he deliver us out over here once before? Why would he not do it again? Increase my, I mean, increase my faith, Right? You just can't rely on somebody else all the time. That's how you're going to have to get, gain it. That's how you're going to have to trust more in Him. That's how it's going to have that confidence that Paul talks about. <laughs> and Moses said, the people of... Um, the people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen, and thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them, or shall all fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's God. What'd you forget? You know, it's encouraging to me to read that. Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. Ooh, I like that. I like it when it comes to pass. Sometimes not. But I like seeing it. I like remembering it. I like rejoicing in it. There is this one passage I'd like to, this here too, and it says they all prophesied down there, verse number 26, and there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua said to the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. I like what Moses says here. Moses said, Envious thou for my sake? Right? Joshua, I mean, I have never preached on that. There's some things Joshua had to learn as a young man. Hey, man, Joshua, Moses, they're not doing what what you're doing. (laughs) You envy just for me? I mean, that's good, boy. I appreciate it, but. (laughs) Would to God that all Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon on them. Lord's still in business of saving people. That's all I wanted to go with that one. Or be it from us just to think that 
we're the only ones worthy. Job actually did it. We won't turn there. Paul did, wished himself to be dead, so to speak. All these men, burden bearers, grew weary. I mean, it could, it could happen to you. It could happen to us. Turn back over to Jonah. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. You know, I'm happy God doesn't answer prayer, my prayer sometimes. Give me all what I ask for, because He knows better. There He had answered His prayer. For it is better for me to die than to live. You know, in this, in this verse number 2, and in verse number 3, I don't know if there's any other passage in Scripture that's got more of self in it. More of me in it. More of I in it. Ten times. It says in there. Selfish. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I prayed thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country, Therefore I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I, beseech thee my life for me, for it, for me, for it is better for me. Just selfish. Just wallowing in your self pity. Me, 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 me. We've been there. It's easy to do that. It turns into all about us instead of all about other people. Paul, in contrast, wasn't that way. Turn over to Philippians chapter 1. He thought about others more. Love the book of Philippians. Had that crucified life. Presented his body a living sacrifice. I didn't want to go to pastor's go-to for that one. So I chose Philippians. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 21. For to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Not just going to run out there and build himself a booth. Jonah just thinking of himself. Paul was thinking of others. God asked him, he says, Does thou well to be angry? 
And there's Jonah. Verse number four. Dost thou well to be angry? He goes, yeah, yeah. I got to be angry. You told me to go down to Nineveh, these people I don't like. Then you put me in a storm with all these people. Then you put me in a ship, you know, and I'm, they, I get thrown overboard. Then I'm in a whale's belly. Then I preach to these people and they get right. Yeah, I'm mad. <laughs> you know, and then there's Paul. <laughs> Thrice was I shipwrecked, beaten, perils, 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 thrown in jail, beaten, stripes above measure. I don't have that passage memorized. I apologize, but he said, I count it all glory. Just a little different than from Jonah's. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. God's love and humor are not taking us seriously. Dost thou well to be angry? Ecclesiastes 7 9 says, Anger resteth in the bosom of fools. I don't like being called a fool. Let us be mindful of how Jonah's sad example here. He was miraculously delivered by a whale. He saw his preaching richly blessed of God, seen all those people repent. But he still let his flesh get the better of him. It can happen. Verse number 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there he made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Now we learn here that those first four, four verses took place in the city. So he's watching all these people get right <laughs> and he's getting mad. I mean... I don't get that. I mean, I, I say a little bit I can. I, we already went through that. And he goes out of the city. He's upset. He's watching. Sees him repent. He gets mad. He goes out and makes himself a booth. And he's right back in the place where he started. He's just sitting there. He's in idleness, not praying, not serving, not preaching. He's angry. He's disorientated. He's confused. He's got no joy. And he's having himself a little pity party. Men and women all over quit on God and are sitting in their booths in their homes because God once did something that they didn't appreciate. I've seen it. I've seen it. These people are usually the ones that want to tell God what to do 
instead of God having them tell them what to do. I've seen it. Lord, it would have been better for me if you'd have just done that. Oh, really? I like how Terrence Calvin, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? I mean, he'll reason with you. They wanted to run God's life, not God run theirs. Somewhere down the lines, God's going to do exact opposite of what you think He's going to do. I said that before, but I'll say it again. And you're either going to love God and accept it and continue, or you're going to build a booth. You're going to sit there until you die. And the Lord prepared a gourd. You know, God doesn't get angry. And you'll yell and rebuke Him for it. You know, what are you doing angry? I just build Him a gourd. Builds that gourd. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. God gives him a little housewarming gift. Doesn't get too mad with him. Amen. I know that convicts me. But He's gracious unto him. It is the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. And God is good. And He was exceedingly glad of the gourd. You know what? Not God. And there's the key. That's the key. Some people get more excited about a, a football game than they do about a soul getting saved. Yeah. Spend more time with the TV and get more joy out of a TV program than reading their Bible and praying. Then they wonder why God doesn't do anything in their life. Or they'll never see anything of God happen in their life. Or work in somebody else's life for that matter because they haven't been praying for Him. Watch a sad movie and feel bad, but never have a heart for a sinner. When we got those ballots back there, I just thought of this just because it was, my illustration was the Joe Biden in there. But if you think that campaigning those ballots door to door is more necessary than knocking on people's doors and telling them about Christ, if you think that would help this country more, you're wrong. Period. As you read over there in Luke 23, the only thing that brought them together. Pilate and Herod was Jesus. 
They didn't like each other. Luke 23, 6. And after Jesus came to them, then they became friends. I'm like, well, there's the solution. Everybody needs Jesus. More excited about the fish we caught. Excited about the deer we shot. And the soul getting saved. I mean, I got a chance to go out there and watch my son shoot a deer, which was pretty cool. And we had this time after we went out there. We, I mean, last we got preached on just listen to the Lord. Just listen. Listen and do what they say. And this guy told us that he works for, he says, look, he says, go out there on this road, park your here, go around this way. And he says, yeah, there's usually always deer there. So we get down there and my son goes, what do you want to do? I said, let's just do what he says. It's very simple. Went down there and did what he said and go out there and son takes a shot, 80, 85 yard shot. Boom. Nails it. I'm watching behind him, got my coffee and my binoculars. I'm super serious, you know. And he hits it and the thing buckles down a little bit and goes over there and I say, hey, go out there. He ran, thought we ran out in the field because he took off running and he says, I see a blood trail. And so I quit looking because he ran through the bushes and he found the blood trail. So I just went where the blood trail was, saved time. And it's a big blood trail. And I was like, all right, <laughs> this one's going to be pretty easy to find. And sure enough, he overran it because he was watching, seeing now where they went out in the field. And he goes, Dad, I don't know where it went. And I goes, it's sitting right there. <laughs> it didn't go far. But it took a little bit for it to die. And by the time we got up to it and it was dead, its head was all in the stickers. And it was this beautiful four by three. It had this big old dagger of an eye guard when we... When we pulled it out, we didn't, we didn't know that this big dagger piece was there coming out of its eye socket, you know, cause it's part of its antler. Huge, big old three inch thing. And we both looked at each other and went, yeah! Cause that's cool. You don't get to see stuff like that. But we had this moment of that, you know what I mean? Where it was just rejoicing over hunting, you know what I mean? But I did. And we're very grateful for it to the Lord, you know what I mean? But on that way out, I told him, I says, you know why? I said, the Lord blessed this. You know why? Because we listened. You just do what he says. The Lord bless this. Listen to people. And we're thankful, you know what I mean? But I mean, we get excited about the things of God. Or just the things of this world. God prepared a worm the next day and it smote the gourd. God's going to be good to the worm. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement wind and the sun beat upon Jonah's head and he fainted and wished himself to die and said, is it better for me to die? Is it better for me to die than to live? Here God asked him again, is that well to be angry? We're not going to get into that. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for that which thou hast not labored. Neither thou madest it to grow which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. I mean, he's a gracious God. 
I'll tell this story and I'll be done. I remember my niece come down. I've told this story before. My niece came down and she was talking with my wife and we're all sitting there in front of the living room and she's talking about a little pig. I think she got a pig or something or she was doing, was doing something with a pig and I'm sitting on the, on the couch facing this way and she's sitting right there. Laura's right here. And then I look out my window right there and she's talking about a pig and all of a sudden there's a little pig on my front porch and I go, did you bring your pig with you? And she just laughed me to scorn. Yeah, Uncle Mike, that's what I did. I brought, why would I bring my pig in the car all the way down here? And I go, cause there's a pig outside. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, it's a new thing. There's a pig outside. And so we go outside and I'm going to tell you right now, it was the cutest little pig you ever seen. I got a picture of it. I'll show it to you later. It was a cute pig. I know it sounds strange, but it really was. It was a cute pig. And then we found out, so we found out who this pig this was, and it turned out to be there were some, you know, people that are addicted to drugs down the road. You know, but then we started to think, you know, I won't, maybe we should get that pig and give it a better home. I feel, we feel bad for the pig. And there was seriously a conversation that went on like this. And the Lord smote me. And said, you're going to feel compassion for that pig? What about her? Because when she came over to get her pig, she she knew we we's Christians and she was not wanting to be there. I mean, we're all happy. Oh, this is your pig. She's like, I want to get out of here. You could see she was super uncomfortable. Right. I don't for whatever reason. We're going to have more compassion for a pig than a person even if those people are pigs. Lord can clean them up too. You know where that pig is now? That pig is right next door in a pig pen right next to us. And you know what? That pig is the ugliest pig you ever seen in your life. <laughs> That's a fact, isn't it? And it's supposed to be just a little teeny cute little pig. It's a pig this big and it's just ugly. I mean... But what if she would have got saved? What if she would have got saved? She wouldn't have been a pig no more. She had been precious in the Lord's eyes. Amen. Pastor, you close in prayer?